Welcome back to The Outright Effect, a podcast in which unique perspectives challenge us to be better versions of ourselves. We're two ambitious women who talk about how we like to stretch our creativity and work on self-growth to become better people. I'm Tempsey. And I'm Shelly. And today we have another special guest with us. We have Nicole from Nicole Ralston Coaching. Nicole is an engineer turned teacher, turned mom and entrepreneur. She helps aspiring content creators and business owners start taking action on their long held dreams. Nicole is a CLCC accredited life coach and believes we find success when we follow our calling and scale our impact, much like her hero, Beyonce. What a great hero. (laughs) She's helped dozens of clients launch businesses and transition out of long held careers and is so proud to help her clients build the world they know is possible. Welcome, Nicole. Thank you for coming on. Yes. Thank you guys so much for having me. Absolutely. We're so excited to talk with you today. And I met Nicole through some other like social media things that we're doing earlier this year. And I had an opportunity to actually work with her being a client of hers. And she helped me with getting a little bit more clear on my social media strategies and things like that. And I thought that she would be just a great guest for our podcast. I agree. Thank you. I had so much fun working with you on that too. Um, It's always so cool to see what people's interests are. And I think that's my favorite part of um, working with clients on their businesses is everybody has such unique perspectives and so many Mm -hmm. valuable skills um, and just interesting takes on things to share. So it was really fun to work with you and I'm excited to continue talking today. So Nicole, why don't you tell us a little bit more about your business? I know we got a good summary of it, but is there anything you wanted to add about what your business is all about? Yeah, I mainly work with service-based entrepreneurs who are really looking to make a difference in their niche um, and then also just like a bigger impact on their communities. And I just like, I'm so thrilled to work with folks who have different ideas that really are needed. And I think- Again, that's just something that really lights me up about all of my clients. And and I definitely I can I can attest that <laughs> I, I can I could definitely tell that Nicole was super excited while we were working together. You put a lot of hard work into helping me and preparing for all of our sessions. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah. Can you tell us um, what inspired you to start a business? Like how did you get into it? What drew you to it? And what was the very first step that you took? Yeah, it's funny because I didn't think that I would start a business helping other people start businesses because it felt like, I mean, do I even know what I'm doing right now as I'm starting this thing? Um, What I had really initially planned was to help people with project planning. Um, That's something that I'd done for a long time. I was a teacher for over 10 years. um, And part of my role as a teacher was helping with student council events, um, as well as obviously keeping up with my own curriculum. I taught math. Um, So there was a lot of organization involved. Um, And one of the things that I just really love about student council is helping students take these ideas and then bring them to life. So they would have to, you know, come up with a plan around it. And, you know, in terms of student council would be like spirit weeks or like fundraisers they were wanting to host that kind of thing. Um, 
and we would move from concept to execution. And so I thought, okay, well, you know, I can definitely do that with people, do something like event planning um, or project planning. And one of the first clients I had turned out she wanted to start a blog. And I was like, well, that's a project. Like I could do that, but didn't think about it as a business. But she came back and was like, oh, you know, do you know anything about monetizing? Or I think she even had like an idea of how to monetize her blog and asked if I wanted to help. And I, I really wanted to, but I definitely had some of that imposter syndrome come up of like, I, I don't, I don't even know, like how I'm, am I making enough money to be charging somebody else to do this? Like that feels like a vital piece of it, but she really just emphasized that she wanted to work with me because of my organizational skills and helping her take these ideas she had and turn them into actionable steps. And I was like, okay, I can do that. And that's what we did together. And um, I just really enjoyed it, even though, again, it was something that I was nervous about. I wasn't sure that I was able to um, fully execute on at the time. People kept asking me to work on that. She had referred me to another client. um, And then Yeah. So, you know, people just kept asking me to and referring me and I kept taking on more projects and that's effectively um, how the business started and then grew. Um, It was really just by word of mouth and um, following what felt fun. And every time I would help somebody launch something new, it was exciting for them. It was exciting for me. And it was just something that I wanted to keep doing. That's awesome. I love that. I think it's really cool when it comes to you, right? Yes. Yeah. And it was very unexpected that it came to me um, because it was something I was wanting to do for a while. Um, I had been listening to podcasts myself and like just so admiring people who, you know, started their own thing. And I just thought that sounded so cool. And I've always been, I was on student council too, which is how I ended up moderating it. And I've always had that entrepreneurial spirit, even though I didn't define it that way then. I always loved creating little projects, having little fundraisers. When I was on student council, I was always coming up with a new fundraiser idea. And I was somebody who also like took on a lot of event type planning. And I don't, I didn't realize it then, but I was like, oh, I was totally creating offers and, and things. I mean, I was fundraising. So effectively I was making money, but I just didn't see it in that same way of, you know, starting a business. Yeah. And that's pretty common, I think. Right. And even the imposter syndrome piece you mentioned is I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I think a lot of people also overlook the the skills that they inherently have sometimes or that they've developed because it doesn't technically or seem like it applies. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and I think it's hard too, when you see yourself as a specific like title. So like I was a teacher for so long that that felt like, oh, okay, if I'm going to start my own business, I have to be a teacher as opposed to your right, like defining yourself by your skill set, And that's a lot of the work that I do with my clients is, you know, what is it that you actually do? (laughs) What are the Mm -hmm. actions that you take at your work on a daily basis? And like, what other jobs do those apply to? Or what other businesses could those possibly apply to? And it's, it's interesting, because I I had that same problem, obviously. And um, it's interesting to help people expand their view of themselves and what they're capable of by simply just like evaluating their skill set. Yeah. And I think something that I really like that you mentioned is um, just kind of trying something, right? Like you're, you started off with your first client, as you mentioned, who wanted you to help you with something. And you're like, yeah, I could do that. And it just sort of 
came to you in a more like organic kind of way like it fell into your lap in in some way shape or form I feel like yeah and you know the way it ended up falling into my lap was I had just started actually my own blog and started writing about um, planning which is what I was really um, interested in at the time and then she and I just started having conversations about planning. And this was an old coworker. And I, again, I was a teacher, so I knew her well. We also both had kids the same year. So we talked a lot about being moms. We talked a lot about teaching, but I had never talked to her or anybody at my work for that matter about, um, you know, not even my entrepreneurial desires, but just other, um, aspects of my life, other hobbies that I had, you know, anything outside of the immediate workplace. And so she was like, Oh, I really like, loved what you had to say about planning. I, I wrote about passion planner. I know you use a passion planner, Shelly. I wrote about the passion planner when she was really interested in using that herself. And so we just started having different types of conversations than we normally would have. And that led us to both admitting at some point that we were both interested in starting a business in her case, starting a blog. So it was, it, it fell into my laugh, but it was a series of just shifting conversations that I had with people I already knew. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's Great. cool. Yeah. So let's talk about barriers. Did you have any external or internal barriers that could have potentially held you back in the beginning? Oh yeah. I mean, I had so many internal barriers. I think I thought I had external barriers, but I really <laughs> didn't. I mean, other than, you know, obviously my daughter's running in here right now, you know, taking care of my kids. Um, I was having, I had small kids. I saw small kids. Um, but I had a baby at the time. Um, and then a three-year-old, I think Amelia was when really I started getting things into place. Um, so there were those external barriers of schedule. Um, but once I cleared that out, which took again, more mental work than anything else, it really was about overcoming all of those internal barriers. And that's actually the bulk of the work I do with my clients now is, you know, I think that women are really great planners. Like we've kind of had to be, um, people look at us to, you know, Oh, what's the kid's school schedule or like, you know, what's going on with your parents or do we have something going on? It's like, we always keep the schedule. Like I have it in my head all the time. I can't not have it. Um, and it's funny to me that so many of my clients come to me wanting to be better planners, better or more organized. And like, I'm like, I bet you're more organized than you're admitting to right now. And it, it always ends up being right. They are very organized. They're just generally overwhelmed by how much they have to do and how much they've chosen to take on. And that was the internal barrier that I had at the beginning was like, I was choosing to take on way more than I really had to. Like that was always the case for me. I was taking on way more home responsibilities than I had to. Once I cleared those out, the next internal barrier I had was taking on more in my business than I really had to. Like I overcommitted to marketing at the beginning and then I got scared and didn't show up in marketing. It was very much swinging back and forth between doing nothing and then doing everything. Um, And I had to really figure out what the best uses of my time were um, in order to get momentum. Gosh, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, and that's so interesting. It's like, how did you figure out where, where your time is better spent or, you know, where, how you divvy up that time so that you're getting done 
what you need to, because I feel like I've definitely, like, I feel like I go through these like phases or cycles where it's just kind of like a huge dump. I'm like super into this thing. And then suddenly it's like, (laughs) it fizzled out or something like that, you know, when like, you know, consistency. And, and if I had lower those levels in the beginning, I probably would have, you know, sustained that momentum over a longer course of time. So, you know, how did you recognize something was going on and like, how did you figure out how to split your time up? Yeah. You know, one of the things, and I mean, to be honest, I still struggle with this now. I think it's just like my energy pattern. I get really, really excited about stuff. And then I get like super tired. And so the thing that has helped me though, is really thinking long-term like, okay, so if I do this thing and I commit to it, and I think this is a thing about planning that people don't talk about enough. Planning is really like daydreaming. Like you're really using your imagination and trying to figure out what's the year going to look like from now. If I do this thing where normally we worry about scheduling in the present, but it's like, okay, how do I make time for it in the present? And what's it going to look like if I actually invest that time in, in the future? So I'll get really excited about an idea and then I'll think, okay, so what happens next? If this is successful, then the next thing is X. Okay. And then if that works out, then the next thing is X. And I just try to imagine how long I want to do this for. And if I'm not super excited about it, if I don't think it's really going to take me anywhere in a year, I know that like, okay, this is something that I'm interested in right now, but like, how can I then shift it so that it becomes something part of something bigger? Or I ask myself like, okay, maybe this is too overwhelming. Like there are certain things where I see where my business is going in the future. And when I think about taking it on right now, it feels really overwhelming. And I'm like, oh, maybe this is an idea that I need to grow into, into the future. So like, what do I need to prepare right now to move me towards there? So in that case too, it's still just like looking ahead and seeing, okay, where is this going to take me? And do I want to go there? Um, and then if I do want to go there, okay, what's the first step? What feels manageable? What can I actually put in my calendar for the next month and, and see like what that feels like and start to act on that. But it's starting to schedule things out for like longer chunks of time really helps me not try to do everything at once. Like that's tends Mm -hmm. to be my MO is like, okay, I'm super excited about this. I have to get it all done tomorrow. Um, when I give myself the chance to look at it over a month or even the week, it's like, oh, there's, and I start to think about how I could execute on it and come up with lists of what is it going to take to actually achieve this thing. I start to see like, oh, this is going to take longer than I'm acting like it is right now. (laughs) (laughs) Makes sense. I, I like the idea of looking into the future and saying, okay, what's, what's the outcome going to do f- compared to what I have set as goals for the future too? Yeah. And it, that's, I think the hardest part, because obviously we can't predict the future, but I do feel like we can tell what we're really excited about. Like, again, that, you know, direction being more important than speed or whatever that quote is. Like when we look out to the future, we can get excited about a direction or like, eh, whatever, it's fine. And that that's just good information to have where, yeah, you might not necessarily manifest that thing fully in the way that you're daydreaming about right now, but 
you know, you're interested in it, you know, you want to be even doing it for a year, um, because that's half of the battle. And then, and then it's a little easier to make decisions based on like knowing, okay, this is something I'm actually excited about. This is something that I'd want to commit to for a longer period of time that really helps uh, with my decision-making and with my client's decision-making. Yeah. I think those are some really good reflection points that you mentioned, because I think there are so often times where we're like, oh, ooh, this, ooh, that, ooh, whatever. And then you're right. Sometimes it's just like, oh no, I just like it for right now versus, you know, there's other, there are other things that we know, like within us is a more long-term, like we want to be committed to doing X, Y, or Z. So um, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Yeah. So how has your business changed over time? Yeah. You know, it's, So one of the ways it's changed is I finally said that I was a business launch coach for the longest time. I still talked about myself as a project planner, a productivity coach, um, and was mainly working with people on like how to create more holistic schedules. And I was still serving these business clients on the side, but acting like it was a side thing when really that was the main thing I was wanting to do. It was just so funny because it's like, I work with clients a lot like that, where they have their main job and then they have the side hustle. And here I was like an entrepreneur with like my main job. Job that was still entrepreneurial. And then like my side hustle, which was actually the business stuff. And so, you know, last year I really fully committed to being a business coach only. Um, and I, that's really been such a huge shift for me. And, and also like my offers has shifted as I've grown. I think it's interesting because I still talk about a lot of the same things that I did, even when I was only acting as a productivity coach, because obviously, you know, planning is still an important part of business, you know, checking in with yourself and your intuition um, and how you're spending your time also still an important part of business. Uh, But I think the thing that has shifted is just my offers have grown with my knowledge so that I can be serving my clients better and better, which sounds good as I say it here, but that's always really hard to do every time I have a little shift because it like feels like I'm blowing up my business. Like I'm always like, Oh my gosh, but like, this is sounds totally different than what I said before. It feels that way a lot internally. And then like, I'll ask a client or just even a friend and they're like, it looks like you're doing the same thing. But like in my head, it feels like there's bigger shifts happening than apparently it looks like externally. That's funny. (laughs) Cool. So are there any common themes that you're seeing with your clients right now? Like things that they're working on, um, things that come up in your conversation? Like, do we all have imposter syndrome? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, the, the most common thing is really that fear of starting something new. Like, and that happens all the time throughout your business. Every time you grow and you level up, you're going to be doing something new. So that's, that's, I feel like the fear is like one of the big things that we have to overcome first because otherwise we just don't do it. Like you're like, Oh, I don't know. It seems too hard right now. I don't have time. I can't commit to that. Blah, 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 which again, there are legitimate reasons in which people don't have time and don't commit to it. But if it's something that you keep saying, over and over and over again, it's like, okay, is this really true? Or am I just saying that because I'm nervous about starting this? So I find that to, to be just a theme throughout. And I think it's normal to have that nervousness. Like anytime you're trying something new, that's like, your body is like, is this going to kill us? Like, that's like, it's job. Like I, this, Mm -hmm. you're putting yourself out on a ledge. I don't know about this. Is this really safe? And I think you know, when it comes to imposter syndrome, the way I've been talking about imposter syndrome lately is 
there are actually a lot of people in your life who probably have told you that it's not safe. So it's not like it's all in your head. It's like, you know, there's always that random auntie or random teacher who's like, eh, are you going to really make any money like at that? And it's like that, that does tend to stick with you. And you see where people where you might not be getting the support that you need. And I think it's both internal and also calling the right people in to help lift you up. Like if all the people in your life are being naysayers, um, you need to find some people who are yes people and like, yeah, this, this is something that can work out for you. It sounds like it's a lot about the emotional journey as much as it is about the like external barriers and the group of people that you surround yourself with, right? Yes. And I think that that's so important to do from the beginning, because to be fair, if people have never started a business, of course, they're like, Oh, I don't know how to do that. Right. Like (laughs) my husband works a nine to five, doesn't ever want to do anything else. So he's not going to get, and he definitely doesn't work in my industry. He's an engineer. So he, he and I will use similar words, but they have completely different meaning in both of our (laughs) industries, like especially a lot of his acronyms. So he's, very supportive of me, but he's not somebody that I have to like bounce ideas off of, or even like can share slang with. Like, so I'll say something that I saw on Instagram and he's like, that's not a thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? This like words all over my social media. How do you not know what that is? So we have some people who are like, not naysayers, but just kind of like innocuous bystanders in our life who don't have anything to contribute to that conversation. And so that can be hard where you're like, okay, does this make sense? Or is nobody else thinking this? And I'm the only person thinking this. And the only person I have to talk to doesn't feel this way. So I think coming into communities of entrepreneurs can be really helpful where you're like all speaking the same language and you all are going for similar goals. Um, It makes it feel like you're less alone. And I think that's one of the big things that helps with the emotional journey is like knowing that you're not alone. Um, Because when we put ourselves on that ledge, It feels way less safe if you're walking on the ledge all by yourself versus, and and it feels like, okay, there's this tightrope that I have to cross versus when you're walking it with other people, all of a sudden it feels like there's a bridge instead of a Mm tightrope and you're like, oh, okay, Mm -hmm. we're all just crossing this bridge together. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And I was, um, I was kind of mentioning this to Tempsey, I think like a few months ago, like sometimes I, I think it's totally okay that, you know, there are those people that you have in your lives, those friends you talk to a lot. Uh, or siblings or whoever were just kind of like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm da 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 you know, I'm doing this. And they're like, what? Like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, they just can't relate to it, which is like totally fine. But, you know, to, to your point, I, it is very true. You do have to find those people who are into that thing that you're into, especially when you're building a business, because like you said, those are the people who you bounce ideas off of, can relate to. Oh, and you, you bring something up and someone's like, oh, I did the same thing too. This is how I got past that. So yeah, totally true. Yeah. And I think it's, it's hard as entrepreneurs because you're starting out solo anyway. There's not like an office that you're going to, right. Where there are other people there. And there's, I think there's this like narrative that, okay, I can, well, and we all have this, like, I can do this by myself. Like, in fact, I'll be faster if I do this by myself, right? Like it's like the group project mentality. Like if I just did this by myself, I'd be so much faster at it. And so that starts to feel true. And I think, you know, that was one of the things with entrepreneurship that appealed to me where it's like, oh, okay, I could do whatever I want. I can go as fast as I want and I'll be so much faster by myself. But the truth is we do need other people for even just bouncing ideas off of, like you said, words stop making sense when you're 
staring at them for so long. So like having that little coffee break with even a friend or like, you know, the water cooler break you normally have at a nine to five doesn't happen automatically when you're Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur. So you need to be building those in for yourself. And it's fun to have like those kind of little coworkers that are working with you, even if you're not technically working in the same business, it it, it brings you more ideas. It also just gets you, you know, out of staring at your computer at the same thing over and over and over again all day. (laughs) So true. So can you share any challenges that you might've faced and maybe how you moved past that? What kept you motivated to continue? Yeah, you know, one of the big challenges I faced, and again, this was more of an internal one was, was really the sales piece of it. You know, it's scary if you've never done sales before or feel like Mm -hmm. sales are sleazy, which is what most people come into entrepreneurship that I've worked with feel like. And it's, that was a big block for me of like, oh, you know, anybody could do this. I used to say this to myself all the time. And I hear my clients saying this, like anybody could do this. Like, why am I charging for it? If anybody could do it and you really have to understand your value. And I think that's where talking to other people comes in real handy because I am like, oh, whatever, making this calendar takes two seconds. And then I'll say that to a friend and they're like, uh, that would take me like a week. And I'm like, really? Okay. Like the things that are easy to you, you just kind of assume are easy to everybody. It doesn't feel special because you're thinking about it all day, every day. Like that's just how your brain works, right? Like the things you're good at, you think about generally all the time. And then you kind of just assume, oh, everybody thinks the same way. And then when you share your idea with somebody else, they're like, oh no, I don't, I'm didn't even realize that was a thing that comes up for me all the time. I've been talking about productivity for years now and I bring up time blocking and I still get people who are like, Oh my gosh, that's so useful. I've never heard of that before. And I'm like, you've been following (laughs) me on Instagram for like three years. I talk about time blocking all the time. And so (laughs) I think it's just that remembering that like, okay, the more conversations I have with people, the more I remember like, Oh, I think differently and in ways that Mm -hmm. are valuable to others. (laughs) (laughs) That's so funny. It's so true. I mean, I've seen it in so many people and you start to, or I see the opposite where you start to see how other people do things really well. And then all of a sudden you're like, man, I do not do that well. And you start to get down on yourself. Oh my gosh. Yes, totally all the time. And I think it, it is funny. It's one of those grass is always greener on the other side where people are probably looking at you thinking the same exact thing. Right. <laughs> True. <laughs> so do you track any business metrics and would you feel comfortable sharing with them, uh, sharing some of them with our listeners? Yeah. You know, the number one metric I would tell everybody to track that I also struggle with is money. Like money is the easiest thing that you will track in your business. And yet the hardest mental thing you will track in your business, but it's like, it just tells you how many customers you have. Like, it's so funny that like, once I finally really got that, like, Oh, this money is just telling me how many customers I serve this month. And then this money is also telling me how much I have to spend on, you know, whatever I need to expense in my business the next month. Like it's not, it's the easiest metric you can track that gives you the most holistic picture of your business because it shows everything, right? Like 
you are spending money on marketing, you're spending money on your Cavify account, you're spending money on, um, you know, hosting your podcast, and then you're earning money from a customer, you're earning money from a product, like all of that money tracking basically tells you where all the action is happening in your business. It's just information. And I think that was one of the hardest lessons to learn and not in a hard, like I learned some really challenging, painful lesson around it. It was just, I realized how stuck it was keeping me when I avoided tracking it. Mm, That's interesting. I'm trying to look into better ways to track those kinds of things before. Like I, not that I'm like, I'm not like skyrocketing into like something amazing, but like before I like get out of hand is what I was going to (laughs) say. But it's kind of like, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I guess for me, I'm trying to take a more like proactive approach with like tracking those kinds of things. So yeah, I've been on a hunt for, you know, templates or whatever people might use. So if you have any, let me know. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you I, know have a, any. I have a really great podcast episode with a money coach. And in fact, she's somebody oh. that I've worked with named Gina Knox and she sells Excel templates. It, it's part of her course for tracking those kinds of things. But if you were going to do it yourself or it's a Google sheet, if you're going to do it yourself, like Excel or Google Sheets is just like the way to go, especially if you don't have a ton of expenses at the beginning. Really, again, it's just tracking money in, money out. And she, if you listen to the episode or go on any of her stuff, she um, lists all the things that your um, accountants want to see at the end Mm. of the year. And it's really simple to track. I cannot remember all the categories off my head, but I know she lists them in the podcast episode. But like it ended up being simpler. I think that was the other thing. It was simpler than I thought, especially at the stage of my business that I started tracking at. When you're new in business, it's the best time to start tracking your money because you really don't have that much going on. You probably don't have that much income, which I know sounds weird that I'm like, that's a good thing, but it is a good thing at the beginning because it gives you some time and space to start building those systems. Um, Sure. Yeah. So yeah. I, yeah, even again, like I said, if all you have is a simple Google sheet, that's just like, okay, I made this much money, you know, write the number in there with a plus sign. And then I spent this much money, write that number in there with a minus sign <laughs> to go for, for right now. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that episode. I'll definitely have to check it out. All right. So what are your overall goals for your business? Yeah, my overall goals are really to get as many people into entrepreneurship as possible if we're talking about (laughs) big goals. Um, I just see there's, I mean, obviously with the pandemic, there's so many shifts that need to be happening in business to serve people's needs better. I mean, we saw that in the pandemic right away, right? Like, you know, indoor dining effectively had to shut down. So restaurants were having to scramble to figure out how can we serve clients needs right now, which included just being at home. And they had to innovate and figure out ways to act on that, not only to keep themselves in business, but also to help people eat. Like, I mean, that's such an important, obviously, um, (laughs) service to be providing. And it's funny to me that even after that big shift in the pandemic, we're still at a point where people are resistant to change. And I think entrepreneurship is so needed to just show that, you know, change is important and change needs to happen in order to better serve our communities. So I want people to be more innovative and stop trying to like reinvent the wheel all the time as, as they do in regular, you know, corporations. Yeah, that's cool. It's so funny how when you were mentioning, yeah, we got to eat hierarchy of needs, food, come on. (laughs) So is there anything exciting coming up for your business or anything that you, any advice you wanted to give to our listeners? Yeah, I um, am actually launching a new iteration of my group coaching 
program called Dream Plan Launch in January. Um, and speaking of doing things imperfectly, uh, if you want to email me or get on my mission, get my mission statement guide, that'll put you on my email list. I will be sending out more information if you are looking to finally launch your business in the new year. It's going to be such a fun program. It's like one of my favorite things to do is really helping people take that big idea that they have and turn it into something actionable and get their first offer out there. So that's, yeah, that's what's coming up for me. How exciting. exciting. Yeah. yeah. I love that. All right. So we're going to get into Tempsey's favorite part of the episode, which is rapid fire. So I'll let her ask you those questions. These are just quick <laughs> questions off the top of your head answers. So yeah, go for it, Tempsey. All right. Thanks, Shelly. Have you ever tried a subscription service, either meals, snacks, pet beauty? There's so many out there. <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think the one that I did most recently was for my kids. We did a crafting subscription kit called KiwiCo. Yeah. It's so cute. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Projects that come in and with are so cute for me. The most recent subscription one I tried was actually a while ago. Now that I'm saying it, I can't even remember, but it was a clean beauty box. Um, And it was really fun Mm -hmm. because also I would just like re-gift some of the stuff in there. Yeah. It was cool to like see that every week, but then I ended up with too much, too many beauty. Products. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. So, what's one thing that you have to do before you start your day? I just have to be quiet. Like, I need, you know, I've got two small kids. And so I wake up, I have my cup of coffee, I sit quietly to myself and just, and it's not even meditate. It's honestly, I, I, it, maybe it's meditative, but it's not formal meditation by any means. It's just sitting with my coffee in the quiet before the chaos of the day starts. <laughs> Love that time of day. Need that. How do you practice self-care? Yeah. You know, I practice like, there's so many different little things I do to practice self-care. Um, one of the big ones for me is running and working out because I, um, speaking of my small children, I've had really severe posture issues, I guess I've, I've suffered from a lot of severe pain since being pregnant and carrying kids for, I don't know now, like six years that running really keeps me strong and like in my posture. So I'm, I, I'm not in so much pain during the day. So that's one of my biggest things. I think the other thing too, is just resting. Like I give myself a lot of time for rest and give myself permission to rest. If I'm feeling tired, you know, it's so easy to go, 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 but I'm always okay with taking a nap or just walking (laughs) away from my desk and sitting down for a minute and letting myself be quiet if I need it. Um, Because it's easy to be on, especially when your computer is on all day and you're sitting in front of it. Right. Yeah. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Nicole, for coming on, for taking the time to be a guest here on The Outright Effect. Can you share with our listeners some of the best places that they can find you? Yeah. If you want to reach me on Instagram, that is the easiest way to reach me. I am very responsive to DMs and my handle is Nicole Ralston underscore. Um, And otherwise, if you want to check out my website, it's www.nicoleralston.com. And if you're looking to start your business, I have a really great craft your mission guide for free on there. And again, your podcast is dream plan action. Yes. Awesome. We will include all those details in the episode description. So you can find it all there and it's just a a click away, but we really do appreciate you coming on and sharing your insights and wisdom with us. I'm sure our listeners appreciate it as well. Thank Thank you so much. Thank you guys so much for having me. That's it for us. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Outright Effect. You can find us at theoutrighteffect.com. 
Follow us on our social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube, all at The Outright Effect. And you can also reach out by emailing us at theoutrighteffect at gmail.com. See you guys next time. Bye. Bye.